Hello and welcome to The Naked Gospel, where we have conversations about sex, singleness, marriage, pornography, and everything in between. We bring on cultural thinkers, parents, important folk, and normal folk alike. I am your host, Shane O'Neill. All of these episodes are available on every major podcast platform. Whether you're listening or watching, do subscribe and continue to track with us. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hey folks, thanks for joining for this short episode. In this episode, I'm going to be reflecting on our last podcast interview with Dr. Nijay Gupta. Uh, we're going to be transitioning. The reason I'm doing this is because we're transitioning from a lot of the content we were looking at over the f- over the summer was a lot of biblical content and themes around Imago Dei, image of God, male-female relationships, and... Yeah, so we're going to be swinging kind of out of that into some other themes and motifs in conversations and interviews. Um, and so I want to do just a quick review of the conversation with Dr. Nijay Gupta. Um, as you know, sometimes I will do these uh, reflections after interviews whenever I'm able to. This will be kind of stream of consciousness because this is this is a theme. The, the well, what I talked to Nijay about is a theme that I'm still exploring. I've been exploring for years and want to continue to explore. Um, so he wrote a, a book called To Tell Her Story, um, which I love. Uh, I loved I loved the book. Um, I loved reading it. I loved talking to him about it. I love the theme of it because most teachers and pastors are men and even accidentally, we get more of a, a male perspective and a male emphasis on what's what's taught and spoken about. So as neat, uh, having a big brother intentionally try and look through the female perspective and see the female story that's told in scripture, uh, I think that that's beautiful and very worthwhile. And it was instructive to me because you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and culture works that way. It's hard to see your own culture. It's hard to see your own paradigms and your own biases. Um, and I absolutely am more sympathetic uh, and more instinctively relating to more of a male perspective, especially when I read scripture, because it pertains more to my life. That was good. I learned a lot from it, and I needed it. Uh, I continue to need it. It was a few years ago I spent exclusively like my devotional time only reading female authors and saints. That was a really good experience for me. Uh, and I feel like Nijay continued to carry me along in that journey. So I do still recommend his book. I think what maybe bummed me out during the interview is that his book is like a very uh, exegetically astute. Whereas in the conversation, he focused so much on hermeneutics. So the distinction there, uh, maybe the distinction is exegesis is looking at a passage to see what it says, and hermeneutic is uh, the means that we use to interpret that passage. So for instance, uh, the Genesis creation story, um, exegetically two people could look at the tree of knowledge of good and evil in very similar ways. Uh, but then hermeneutically, one person would say, could say that the tree is a literal tree. 
Um, and another person could say that it's metaphorical or figurative in some way. So hermeneutics dictates kind of the, the takeaway, the, the, the film or the window through which we look at information and thus interpret it. Uh, so he spent a lot of time trying to readjust our hermeneutics. Um, I had a hard time with that because I think that a lot of the natural readings that so many of us have grown up with and a lot of the way that most Westerners, I would say even secularists, read the scriptures. So, for instance, Jesus having 12 disciples and all of them being male. Uh, who went on to be the apostles. I wanted Nijay to speak to that, and he spent time, more time talking about patriarchal uh, context, that males are writing and males are being more dominant in what they're emphasizing, and so women are being left out just by virtue of the patriarchal society in which it was written. I don't know. I'm, I'm a struggle with that hermeneutic because it, it seems like the hermeneutic is if the system is a system that we can identify biases about or abuses about, then we have the right to reinterpret it. Uh, but there is no system that's good. Like there's no system that's infallible. Um, and so I, I, I don't know the extent of that hermeneutic or how to even apply it. There's a, there's a female anthropologist, ancient Near Eastern anthropologist named Sandy Richer. She uh, is Harvard trained. She's egalitarian, um, believing that male and female can have the same role in church. Uh, but she doesn't, she doesn't view the patriarchy as something bad. Uh, she just views it as an anthropologist, that it was a system that, that was being used, uh, and it had restrictions and responsibilities for males, just as it had restrictions and responsibilities for females. Um, and I've appreciated her approach because she has actually done a lot of neat work in the Old Testament to show how the Torah and its laws valued and... Uh, treasured women in a way that is even greater than modern Western culture uh, in many instances. So Nije, it seemed like, was categorically reframing or even dismissing certain things and certain passages uh, and even themes. Like I, I played out a really long theme there in the Old Testament and it was just a bit more moved past it maybe faster than I'm comfortable with because his hermeneutic Nietzsche's hermeneutic of accommodation feels like a very slippery slope for me because uh, once I start believing that God allows untrue or wrong messaging uh, it would be hard for me to outline the boundaries of that now, this is something that I want to continue to explore. Uh, I, there's a, a hermeneutic of looking at description and prescription and trying to determine if something is being described and prescribed. Now, in Paul's letters, there are passages that I find really strong about what women can and can't do and what men can and can't do um, that are distinct from one another. And I'm still wrestling with that. Uh, so those would be maybe prescriptions. And 
people try and figure out if those are contextualized to like just that church at that time in that setting or for all churches everywhere. But then that's contrasted with Paul's partnership and relationship with a lot of women in his ministry, women that he seems to affirm as leaders, maybe even elders there in Philippians. The book of Romans is often regarded as the greatest epistle in the New Testament, and Paul gave that to a woman and entrusted it to her, and she carried it, and she took it to Rome, and she gave it to the people, and she communicated to them Paul's teachings. One good point that Nijay did bring up is is that he asked us as men to imagine that an elder board, people who made decisions for the church about the direction, the vision, the actions of the church, uh, was only only made up of women. Would we as males feel like we could trust them to represent us, uh, to understand our perspective and our wants and our desires? That's a really helpful thought experiment. And something I do think we should all take very seriously is that we are trying so hard to be biblical with male and female relationships when the abuse of women is so outrageous, whether it's pornographic or literal with the Church Two movement, we got to see some of the worst, and we just really suck at confessing our sins. And I am confused about why we're so adamant about focusing on male authority when we have such a rich history of abusing the authority that is given to us? Why are we fighting so hard to maintain authority uh, with the righteous position of calling it biblical while people in our church are privately and secretly misusing women? seems like our priorities are kind of messed up. And that's probably what I appreciated most about what Nijay forced me to consider and take seriously. With Jesus's focus on the least of these, uh, the people who don't have authority and power, uh, those are the people he's among. And so it seems like even if a church had uh, a leadership that was only males in order to accurately and properly represent females, especially in light of the abuse that's prone to happen. It seems like when the men aren't making decisions, they should be sitting at the feet of women trying to understand their stories, uh, what they see, their feedback and the ways that they long to be empowered in ministry and in serving their neighbors and the community around everyone. If men aren't doing that, then I don't know how they would ever properly represent women, know them, know, know them well enough to actually be able to represent them in making decisions. So I think if men aren't willing to do that and aren't doing that, then any sort of male exclusive governance is already unbiblical. Like men should lead first in confession, should lead first in listening, lead first in serving, sitting at the feet of the least of these, of those who 
aren't given that sort of authority and power. That's my reflection on the conversation with Nijay. I'm still exploring all of this. That is something I will continue to explore. And I am grateful that so many of you are along for the journey. Uh, we've got some awesome conversations coming up uh, with the likes of Dan Allender and Kurt Thompson and maybe one or two women to teach us a thing or two. Uh, grateful for all of you. Love being on this journey with you. And I'll catch you next time on The Naked Gospel.